Welcome to episode four of the Chasing Life podcast. April 24th. We had a missed, a missed recording. <laughs> a missed we, were discu- we had a whole discussion <laughs> about whether we should put the date or the episode number. Yeah, I think you're right. The date is relevant. So it's April 24th. Big week for the fam. We got lots going on this week. We got a few birthdays. Yeah. <laughs> this week. <laughs> so uh, our one of our daughter's birthdays this week. And then tomorrow. My dad's birthday is this week. Wednesday. And coincidentally, the weirdness is Ruby's birthday is on Wednesday. Yeah. So Ruby, our heifer, our pregnant heifer, will turn two on Wednesday. So you really need to lean into the mic that's cutting oh. out a little. It's because you sneezed on it before the show. <laughs> Got boogers in the mic. Um, so just because I am the nerd that I am and we have access to a friend who likes to take pictures, <laughs> we had her come out and, and do pictures with Ruby today. So I put... Stay tuned to our Instagram. <laughs> I can't wait to see these pictures. A gallery of yeah, super soft birthday photos. Of my Jersey heifer and my daughter wearing birthday hats out in the pasture. So thank you to Maya for being a willing participant in your mother's ridiculousness. Shenanigans. <laughs> so the funny. The photo that you sent of just Ruby, the clouds are pretty ominous in the background. Yeah, it got really weird. Like it's, the, I am so sick of the weather. Like <laughs> it's up and down and it's, it was cold and crappy today. I was outside with the boys this morning and it was actually snowing like yeah, at the office too. I looked out the window. Oh, it's terrible. So it was kind of overcast and gray, but then now the clouds have parted. It's cold, but it's sunny out yeah, right now. It's actually kind of a nice evening. Kind of nice. A little chilly, but. Can you turn my S sounds down? I'm really hissy. Uh, all, all I have is up or down. Okay. I haven't gotten that fancy with this mic. This, I was trying to actually watch videos earlier today about trying to set the gain differently, but mm-hmm. I didn't get, couldn't find anything. That's annoying when you're listening to it, like especially in headphones if someone's very like hissy or poppy with their peas. That's why part of the reason why you have the microphone filter. You don't need it? I I tend to, like, I, weirdly, I'm not like a dry mouth person, but when can, I start speaking on a microphone. Can I get one of those dead cat things? Is that what you call it? Dead cat? Yes. Yeah. That's typically for wind outside more than for your, for but, your hissy S's. But what if I create a lot of wind when I speak? Have you been accused of that? (laughs) Anyways, so we have a birthday coming up. Yeah, we talked about that. Which I don't think is, um, I don't think Ruby's birthday is going to be, the photo shoot was probably the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not going to celebrate, no, we're not going to celebrate the calf's birthday. We'll celebrate Maya's birthday. We're just praying that the calf doesn't celebrate. Yeah. Oh man. We are, uh, we have plans this weekend. And nothing brings on a calf, like, making plans. Like, No, it won't happen. It's, I, not, it's also not a full moon, so. Yeah. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. That's all I got. Yeah. But, you know, we've been wanting this calf to come and hurry up and, and get here. And now I'm like, just not this week because we got, we got things to Monday. do this weekend. Monday's fine. <laughs> Monday's this, fine. This week is, is pretty tough for us. Not only do we have all the birthdays, my dad's not even here. Yeah, it's a bit of a perfect storm. We have um, our primary caregiver is away. One of our coaches is away. Your parents are away. Yep. So not only do we not have childcare, I'm picking up some extra classes. So it's going to be... It came It squeezed on both sides. Yeah. So some fancy dancing this week, but we'll get it done. It's good. No, we seem to. Um, What did we get done around the farm this week? Um, not a whole lot of progress on building things. I blame the weather. We well, that didn't, that certainly didn't help. It was miserable out. Um, I did. I didn't do much. We did the garden beds. We, we fertilized we the, the garden, garden beds. beds a little bit more. I we think... cleaned up the garden beds <clears throat> out back, mm-hmm. and which is kind of going to be my like play little area. And then we have like production stuff on the far side for like when we're really going at it. It so was we... cool to see as we were cleaning out those garden beds what was coming back from last year. Yeah. Um, and we learned that chamomile is, is the most prolific, aggressive. Like yeah. it just takes over well, more, and than, I, more than things that people say. I don't know. Peppermint too. Cause there was, we have, uh, six 
separate raised beds. And there was peppermint in one of the lower beds that we didn't put peppermint in there. No, I did. Did you? In the far one? Yes, there was peppermint. On the low one? Yep. Oh, okay. My bad. Was. I was looking at it going like, why is there mint there? We never even planted mint there. I didn't plant chamomile last year. Yeah. Two years ago. And it went crazy. And there's some coming out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Like it's everywhere. Everywhere. It actually moved. Like it's jumped out of, like I put some in a pot, but there's also some in the ground that was beside where the pot was. Yeah. So, And we used a lot of that. We dried a lot of flour. We still have quite a bit. Um, so we were just pulling it. Yeah. Yeah. We, like based on how, how how much it grew and even like what we started with last year and what we ended up with, we can almost decimate all of it. Like as long as we leave a couple little sprigs somewhere, we're going to have plenty. Mm-hmm. It does actually come up really well. And then there's onions coming up in the, the one garden that we thought failed last year and maybe just left them in the ground and they're coming back up. Like those yeah. are from last year. Yeah. I didn't pull much out of that. I harvested some of the kale that was in there. But other than that, like no spinach ever came up. The carrots were all like three quarter of an inch long. That and soil is just so, so heavy. We have so much soil remediation to do. Like we, um, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, we dug into those beds that we cut in last week yep. and put some, some fertilizer down, some manure with some straw just to try to lighten up that soil a little bit. And it's still just so yeah, thick and heavy. I think it's going to take. It's a lot better than a lot of the soil in other places on the farm, but it's um, it's still, after having some rain on it, it was like pretty brutal heavy. Mm-hmm. And we were carrying on last week about how great it was mm-hmm. and, and how much we were surprised it by it. But it, yeah, it, and it's so heavy. We we're going to plant potatoes, but I don't think that that's going to be a great strategy that's not a great plan there because the soil is so so drenched yeah. and saturated that the potatoes will just rot if we put them in the ground. The way so, it is now, yeah. So yeah. we're going to bring in some soil. We got some work to do. Yep. But that's all part of it, right? Like this whole regeneration of the land. It, I think that's probably the most frustrating part is how much time it's going to take. Like it's not like our property was used for, you know, cash crop or you know, heavily sprayed things because that's not the case, but there's still some, and I, I don't know if we'll ever get there. Like we're fighting against mother nature and how her soil works. I mean, but you watch those Alaska shows, those people put all kinds, like they have no topsoil. They take. Depends on where. But I, the where? one that I was watching the other night, they were, they were talking about how there's, there's no topsoil. It's just rock yeah. and how they put, you know, years and years and years of dedication into creating topsoil and that's what like uh, um so i have in the past more so than recently followed curtis stone he's out in um he was out in Kelowna. um he wrote a great book and i use that book as kind of a a way to kind of plan out gardens and whatnot which one's that the like, urban fiber farmer one yeah. the, is that like the big the two-part one no no no, no. that's oh. just, that's more of a, that one what you're thinking about is one by an american author uh in out in like Pennsylvania or something. He's like, that's more of a reference guide than totally. It it's like a but textbook. No, um, uh, yeah, it's like a two part textbook. Um, no, the Curtis Stone is the urban gar- urban farmer. I think it was. I can't remember the name of the book. Well, it'll be in the show notes. But um, he was. I think it was three different properties, basically front lawn, back lawn in Kelowna, all pedal power. So everything was done on his bike. Hmm. Um, he put in three separate gardens, and we're talking like. There was no lawn left gardens. Um, so anyways, th- that book is great if you want to reference like how to think about it at from, and, and we don't think about it from a production. Like we, when I say production garden, we're not producing to sell vegetables. We're producing for us, but we want to try to produce enough that we can store a lot of it. And, and it's probably not going to happen for a couple of years, but eventually have enough, like be growing enough. What he did was legitimately production, like for market gardening. Um, and he had three separate lawns that he converted to garden beds and he was making almost six figures. I think he was over six figures for a while. And it was all literally like he would go to farmer's markets in Kelowna and people would ask him for things. He's like, no, but if you come back in an hour, I'll have it. And he would actually get on his bike, bike over, harvest the stuff and bring it back because it was all within a short bike ride of all mm. of the downtown. And he was making six figures there. He's like, and half the time we went to the beach midday. Cause like, there's not much to do. Cause well, and farmer's markets are done usually yeah. by lunchtime. Yeah. So mm. like, and of course on the off days you, you work in the morning, work in the evening, but like if it wasn't a packing day, 
you know, there's, you know, got to make sure everything, do a little bit of weeding and everything. And of mm-hmm. course they're doing a lot of raised beds and stuff. So I use a lot of that, but I was watching his video cause he moved conveniently two and a half years ago. <laughs> he moved to a property up in the mountains. Mm. They bought a big property up in the mountains and he was talking about his garden beds there. He says, we actually chose the spot for our house and our gardens based on the slope because we're at the south facing slope and the sunshine and everything. But he said the problem is there was no topsoil there. But he said what we did have is down further into the valley, tons of topsoil because that's where it all settles. So did they bring it up? They actually used a machine to bring it all up and put wow. it in your bed areas for it. So if you have that option, it's great. We, I mean, everything here is only – there's places that are moderately better than than the worst places for, mm-hmm. for our soil. So it's not like we have a, a nice little – but that's the thing. If you get up into the mountains, into the Alaska and stuff like that, where there is topsoil, it is amazing topsoil. Mm-hmm. Because so it like, just drops from the top down. Well, because it's all like it's been moved there from glacier melt. It's just all in the bottom of all the valleys. So, mm-hmm. Like I said, where it is, it's good stuff. It's just not easy to find it. So. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> as, sorry. <clears throat> as far as like building and structure goes, again, we're still in a bit of a holding pattern with the milk room. Yep. We need okay, cr- taps were delivered. We're supposed to be delivered today. Oh, later. later. Pick up note. I was home. Yep. That's frustrating. Um, We're looking at parts for the water heater. Yeah. So a couple of extension pieces. Which we're having a hard time finding. We might have to get them custom made by a tin tapper. So if anybody knows someone who know, can do custom tin work, I said to shoot Chris, us a message. Just order another one and like cut it out and use that piece. Because hmm. it wasn't even that expensive, I don't think. Yeah. So we so might just do that. We need a... a custom vent piece to to vent the hot water heater out of the milk room because we're in a barn it's just the walls are a little thicker than what they're expecting for these these um for the extension for the vent on the water heater so we're waiting for that we're waiting for the floor just again just not much progress happening there well and the weather <clears throat> the weather's been terrible it's been miserable it's supposed to get um, frost again this week but we I mean, are we're supposed to get frost for three weeks still, yeah so. don't get excited to plant anything just yet we're looking at um, laying out some structures tomorrow with our friend who's going to help us set some posts because he's a professional. Yeah, somebody who's a little more knowledge about structure. <laughs> I can put some posts in and put a fence up. Not very well, but I can do it. I can build up. I <laughs> we can talked frame, about our, can, friend, our fence shenanigans I can, last week. I can week. frame a room. I can do some of that stuff. I don't do good with finish work. That's why that, that truss for PVC wall was great because it's not really finished work. You just kind of cut it to length and snap it in. Um, no, when it comes to building things to code and whatnot i i call in some experts so buddy's coming over to lay out the um the cow shelter and figure out what material we need to put the the like trusses not trusses but like the roof and everything on it and then we're talking about an extension to our drive shed because the drive shed was not really meant for what we're doing the drive well, shed's got a place to park a tra- like a tractor it's got an and even not even a big tractor a small tractor like our, our midsize um, the other side we're using for storage, mostly for hay. Yeah, and I think the way that our implements all get stacked in there, they all get buried because yeah. it's it's deep, not wide. Yeah, so he had, a, he had a horse shelter in the backside of it that had water and everything plumbed in, the previous owner, years and years and years ago. Um, and we were just parking, like, I mean, up until up until a year ago, we had a mower to mow the pasture down when it got too long. But not the lawn. Yeah, not that we didn't, we, yeah, we didn't, <laughs> not for cutting the lawn. And then we had a snowblower and that was it. And I would just have them side by side and there was enough room. But mm-hmm. now we have all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're looking at, and I don't like storing it outside. If I have an option to put it under under cover, we can. Some of the things, the more important ones, like the box grade, I'm not that worried about. The baler, I tried to really stick in there so that it was covered up and stuff. So that stuff kind of still got put in the spot that we have. But we're talking about putting like a pretty substantial extension. And all it'll be is basically a roof and a side just a shelter to put to park all our implements in and make it super convenient. Yeah, and then I think instead of getting stacked one in front of the other, they will be stacked side by each so that you can just kind of back into each piece of equipment. And With the John Deere iMatch system, you can just hook them right up and not even have to get off the tractor. Are you sponsored? I, I wish. I don't think John Deere does that. <laughs> they don't They don't sponsor sp- podcasts? <laughs> certainly, no. Certainly not podcast with... Seven listeners. Literally (laughs) 10 listeners. I was going to try to say tens, but there's ones of listeners. (laughs) Singles, single listeners. Um, But then I think where our equipment is currently being stored will be hay storage. Yes? Yeah, probably. Yeah. 
we need some more secure hay storage because we we lost a lot of hay. We brought home seventy ish bales of hay, and we're we need to get rid of about I don't know. There's probably twenty bales of hay there that are Maybe. no good. I mean, if I could figure out a way to just back the wagon, that'd be nice. Well, um, our our hay we had out in the field on the wagon covered with a tarp, and it got wet and now moldy. So it's all got to go. And it's I think we're kind of procrastinating on getting rid of it because it means that we have to clear it out to get new hay in, but we don't know what to do with the old hay. We have to figure that out. You don't want to plant hay. You don't want to till that in as it's okay once it's kind of been fermented, so to speak. Yeah. You can't just, we can't just spread that out. No, it's got seeds in it. Yeah. It'll, the seed will just take right over and we'll mm-hmm. end up hay in our gardens, which is no good. And you don't like burning things, so. Especially <laughs> 12 bales of hay stacked up. That's, that's a real. It'll go fast. <laughs> that's part of the worry. <laughs> like burning the Christmas tree. That's my favorite thing about, my favorite part about getting a real tree is burning it. <laughs> my, I have a weird like fire thing, so. I'm more conservative than perhaps should is called for, but when it I, comes to fire, I'm not upset about that. I have a weird fire thing on the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> like burn it all. Yeah. I remember cleaning up a bunch of brush around the yard one year and I had taken a bunch of things out of the basement and I was, I had a pretty big fire going and I was like, oh shit, I hope Bill doesn't get home from work and see this. And then I saw your truck coming down the road and I started panicking. It was like, <laughs> get the fire hose. <laughs> I'm the one that speeds if I see smoke in the, in the sky. Do you remember that day? It was a while ago. Yeah. I think I was on the tractor and I saw your truck coming down the road. I was like, oh shoot, I'm going to be in trouble for this one. I don't think I gave you too much trouble. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> so that's, we're kind of in the holding on most of the, the garden things, the construction projects on the farm. But I think this, we're ready for the season when the season, as we're as ready as we're going to be for the season to start. Your seedlings are coming along nicely. Everybody's looking nice and sprouty downstairs yeah, in the basement. I've got a little bit of mold on some of them. Cinnamon. I was reading a few things, but yeah. I, I can't see the downside to cinnamon. Yeah. So I may as well throw it on and see what happens. Totally. But yeah, my, give, it a, give it a go. They're they're developing well. I think they need a little bit more heat because it's still cold in the basement of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where else to put them right now. The heat mats don't provide heat. It's like, not the right kind of heat. Right. That they're they're germination mats. They're made to heat the soil underneath, not so much like hmm. the plant. I'm sure that they would help a little bit. But. Yeah, it hasn't been warm. So to jump forward a little in the structure of our our usual show, Saturday we had. The Festivus competition mm-hmm. that you were the head judge at. I was the head judge. And we had never been yelled at so much at a competition that I've, I, this isn't my first time at the rodeo with um, acting as a head judge for such uh, an event. Um, it's probably my third or fourth time mm-hmm. acting as head judge. A couple times for Jamie, um, once for another gym in London called Old, Old East Village. I was the head judge for the London Affiliate Cup. Um, sorry, LFFC was that London Functional Fitness Fitness Cup? Yeah, so um, it's an honor to be asked because I think it just um, it shows me that people trust my eye and that they they know that I act in integrity and that I will be a fair and reasonable judge. And I also think that the tides are changing a little bit in these fun recreational competitions because I think people see that they're only as good as the judging um, and being uh, run on a timely, in a timely manner. Nothing worse than a, a competition running long and late and the judging being horrendous and all over the place. So, I mean, that being said, everybody's giving up their Saturday to be there to to judge and to put these events on and volunteer. And so you have to give credit where credit is due. It's, it's volunteer judges and people, you know, just really giving of themselves because they, they love the community and it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a sacrifice. Um, but I, I enjoy doing it. I, it's an honor to be asked, but yeah, this one was, was a bit tough. <laughs> we had, um, 
15 people, five different teams? Five teams. Um, two people on teams were not from our gym. There was um, of one of our members asked her friend to be on the team. And then we ended up having to bring someone in kind of last minute because we had one of our members got called away to work and wasn't able to participate on his team. So we were able to get somebody from, from another gym, which was great. And it was awesome. He was he was so gracious and so thankful to be asked to to come in. So I don't know if you got a chance to chat with him at all on Saturday, but he was a really, really great guy and like would fit in perfectly yeah. with our community. Fun here. to see. I popped in for about an hour, hour and a half or so, in kind of the mid of the day with the boys and uh, let them run around a little bit because the gym owner there's got some kids of his own that kind mm-hmm. of help take over and whatnot. So. And they love Hudson. Yeah. So yeah. they um. So we were they, we. Brought them in there for a little bit. Nice to get them out of the house and see all the stuff. The um, it was nice to see gyms full of people. Mm-hmm. Which to get back to like where CrossFit was years ago when we used to do, to do the competitions and whatnot. Um, and even more fun always seeing our shirts rolling around. Yeah, there's yeah. kind of tried to make sure everybody was decked out in all their CrossFit stuff. And I mean, people do that anyways. But. Yeah, and I mean. I think our gym, uh, there was a couple that were, they were all decked out in their gym swag, but our gym definitely represented. And I think more than that, and I'm, I might get a little bit emotional <laughs> just because it's something that <clears throat> we work so hard at, at the gym, just creating strong community, you know, and creating athletes who, um, you know, are there for each other. Who put um, oh, I get my squeaky voice out. <clears throat> um, put movement integrity at the top of their list. Like I was, as a coach, so so proud of the way everybody moved on the weekend, and and other gym owners commented to me how well our athletes move, which. That's that's huge for us. That's one of the biggest. Yeah, we always say that. Like when I watch some people at competitions, I'm like, well, for me as a, as a as somebody who coached a little bit, some people like on the competitive side, but some of the guys doing the open stuff here that we help them through some of the the quarterfinals and whatnot. I always said like, don't leave room for question when it comes to movement state. Mm-hmm. Don't let an inexperienced judge at a competition be the deciding factor on whether that squat was low enough or not. Yeah, make it like undeniable. And that's one thing, like going to competitions and seeing people move and seeing a range of, like, uh, some of its ability and some of its, like, they're trying to, so, some people legitimately, they're not trying to cheat. They just have a hard time, like, like, like I do. I have a hard mm-hmm. time with, with squat depth. So, um, but that was one thing we always kind of saw at competitions and whatnot is like, I, like, I don't want to be the gym that shows up with athletes who are like clearly trying to skirt the rules, trying to mm-hmm. do this, trying to do that. We always kind of pride on building that community and just. And, and I think part of that comes from our attitude with scaling versus like trying to RX the workout. Mm-hmm. We don't have people that are, their whole goal is just to RX workouts, which is no. kind of like, I don't know if that's still a thing in the community. I think it can be. I think it depends on what, what your gym's culture is. Our gym's culture is very much one of longevity and consistency and community. I think those would be like the three big things that are at the top of our members priority list. And I'm sure that there's other gyms whose um, top three are competition, performance, intensity. Yeah. And I, I, and not to say that we don't like kiss those things. Yeah. And we do from time to time, the open recreational competitions, things like that, but it's not our Monday to Friday goals. It's our sometimes goals. And as I said to actually one of the members I was chatting with for a little bit there, um, and I said to him, like, um, this is fun as a, like, inspiration to, like, train up to and to, like, find out things you want to work on afterwards. But I said, like, our goal isn't for have people win here. I'm like, I think it's cool just having five teams out, let yeah. alone anybody and winning. And for a lot of people, it was their first competition. It was the first time they'd ever done anything like this. And Festivus is great for that because yeah. it's an entry-level competition. It was a little bit disappointing to see some athletes who clearly were above the um, ability scale, so to speak. So, like, if you have butterfly pull-ups, Festivus is maybe a little bit... Um, to entry level for you save room for the people who are you know getting their first pull-ups or you know on that cusp it's a it's a very that's the whole um 
point of Festivus is to be an entry level competition. It's fitness for the rest of us. And so it's, I mean, it's, it's great. And it's so amazing to see people again, like participating in their first competition, achieving things that maybe they didn't know that they could do or didn't think that they could do, you know, just, I mean, our daughter was on a team, got asked to be on a team, clearly her first competition, she's young, like, um, and just being asked to be a part of a team and just watching her, you know, take the floor and, you know, move with composure and keep her wits about her because I think that takes a level of maturity to be able to to do that too and just, you know, give it your best effort regardless of how you're going to podium and how you're going to place. And it's interesting because we do have some former professional athletes in our gym and we, I had a conversation with one today and he said, you know, that wasn't my MO five, six years ago. I was in it to win it at all costs. He's like, you know, I wouldn't have been okay with a less than top three per finish. Like, yeah. he's like, this is, this is more my speed now. This is more where I'm at now. So, I mean, we have some, some conversations to have with some of the members going forward in the context of like, okay, what are your goals? What are your goals going forward? Do you, do you want to keep doing this? Did you get bit by the competition bug? Do you want to enter weekend competitions? Because I think now that we're past the COVID days, we're getting back to gyms hosting competitions regionally. And there's tons in the area. We are, you know, lucky to have lots of gyms within an hour's distance that if there's a gym, say, you know, down the road, highway that someone wants to go and throw their hat in the ring. We could help them train for that if that's something that they want to do. Having seen our athletes compete on Saturday, and I don't want to diminish anybody's performance because like everybody showed up and did so well. But from a coaching, from a coaching perspective, it showed me where the gaps are and what we need to, if people are interested in continuing to compete, where we need to work. Well, and if they don't want it, if they're okay, just doing that, you know, couple times a year hit sure. open. awesome more power to you just yep. keep coming three four days a week but that's what i said to the member i said like my goal is to have you three or four days a week forever mm-hmm. i said because that's actually going to be way better for you 100 percent. being here six days a week burn yourself out six months from now and go back to the gym mine or anybody else's or adversely um kind of half-assed training for a competition going balls out and injuring yourself yeah. like that's that's my big fear for our members who are maybe like, I don't want to say in over their heads, but would maybe do something in competition that they wouldn't normally do in the gym and then end up hurting themselves. Like it's just in the grand scheme of things, like it's just not worth it. I feel like I've said it a million times this week, like what to win a shaker bottle that you don't need and a drawstring backpack. Like we had a, we had a drop in member today that said exactly that, like during Mm -hmm. the open did something I shouldn't. Yeah. And She's an aging member. So I like recovery's a little we cool, yeah, right? we don't heal as well as we used to. I mean, technically we're all aging, but she's a little bit more up there than some of our other members. And so the expectation isn't that she's going to heal and get back on the road in, you know, a week after a little bit of, you know, K Star style mobility and rest. Like that's just not realistic to expect that from her. So yeah, we just want to keep everybody on the road and make sure that we're supporting our members in their goals, whatever that looks like. So, like, uh, well, and that's what I always reference that, like, Bergeron says, low trajectory to a distant horizon, mm-hmm. slow we, and steady. We want to add like one percent every year or every month or whatever, mm-hmm. and then that compounded over time. By the time you're eighty, yeah. we have some members that are testament to that too. Like, we have some some members who you know, when they started out a year and a half, two years ago, you wouldn't imagine. I wish that I took video of some of our members on their first days because to see them now, it's night and day. It's not even the same same person. Like they're just that that consistent, slow grind. It's, I mean, the training isn't boring, but there's nothing sexy about it. There's no magic bullet. There's no magic pill. It's just that slow consistency Day over day, like this particular athlete, like sometimes he's the only one in class. That sucks. 
Like that's how that's how he started. He, I know who you're talking about, and that's how. Yeah. Like that was the first eight, nine, ten months. Yeah. Of his membership. Yeah. Like, well, no, that's not entirely true because I think there was a time when we had a wait list for that 5:45 class. Like it was. He was not here then. He started, no. he started after that. There'd be the odd time be one or two other people here and there, but I suppose you, month, you were coaching have, then because that's when I was on mat leave with Bo. In a month, there might be one or two other people in a class. Like yeah. he might have a handful of people in a class, like 20 classes in a month. Yeah. There might've been five people. Like he might've had company five classes. That 545 class is, it's finicky. Yeah. Like sometimes it's full and there's a wait list. We haven't had a wait list for that class for a while. And I think... When new members start, they're always very ambitious and, and lofty in their goals. Like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna come in for that 545 class. I'm going to get my workout in and get it done out of the way. It takes commitment to get up at that time of the day, drag your butt out of your warm, cozy bed, and get to the gym and move your body. Like, As a gym owner, the members that do that. They're the best. Once they, well, once they break that couple of month mark. Yeah. If they're just, if they keep on it. You got them. Yeah. It's a good yeah. one. Anyways. They're committed, that's for sure. So that Different was Saturday. Um, kind of a bit of a rest bit in the gym now. Not a whole lot going on for a little while. We talked about after that, I mean, we've talked before about having competition. And I mentioned to a few people about having something in the Yeah, the we have some fall. ideas for some inner gym stuff that I think will so, be fun. Some that's member place, appreciation kind of stuff. I do think that's a good place to start for our members. <laughs> it's just like inter-gym, like not bringing other people. Our gym's too small to bring in other gyms and host a competition inside. I think we could make it work. No, I think it's too small. Anyways. So then to Sunday. Bees. Sunday we had our beekeeping course with Earth and Honeybee. I was so um, happy to meet Melissa and spend some time with her. She's so lovely. Um, and just like my kind of weird. Like I, she's like a kindred spirit, I think. Yeah. It was... Um... It was uh, it was an interesting afternoon. The weather kind of held out for us. It was outside all yeah. afternoon. It was a bit chilly. By the end of it, my toes were cold. Yeah, it was, and luckily I had some warm stuff in the truck, so I was able to put a couple of layers on. It was interesting to see the other um, participants that were there because there were some people that had bees yep. that didn't make it through the winter. That one, um, that one couple. Um, there was another couple who are planning to get bees kind of sounds like our similar situation. Like they pre-ordered a nuke from them. A nuke is a basically like a, a bee starter kit. It's a, it's four frames with bees and a queen that comes in a box and you transfer the frames from your nuke into your beehive once you get it to your home. And so, it it's takes, almost like a little banker's box. Of yeah. Bees. Do you remember our, um, how long she said it takes your nuke to kind of mm, graduate to an established colony? No, I don't remember. Six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I took notes because there yeah. were so many like tidbits of information. And I think, okay, so there was the couple who, the I don't know, I don't know what their relationship was. Kind of seemed like father-daughter, but I don't want to assume. It seemed that way. Yeah. And then there was another family, um, husband and wife and four kids that are, getting a nuke like we are and kind of trying to figure out where they're going to put their bees. They didn't seem like they had a whole lot of experience, but maybe like they'd read a book or something like knowledgeable. Um, and then there was a mother and daughter who are looking to put bees on their property in Nova Scotia. The daughter owns 30 acres in Nova Scotia and they were planning on putting bees out there. That other lady, the little short old lady that didn't say much, don't know, don't know anything about her. She didn't say much. Didn't say much. And then there were two other ladies, Chris and Chris, that um, were looking at putting bees in the, on their property um, in Port Stanley. They were hilarious. They were so much fun. And then you and I, who have had experience with bees because we've had bees on our property in the past, but we've never actually taken care of the bees ourselves. And I think maybe I was expecting to get a little bit more hands-on yesterday, like go into the hive and you know, pull a frame and, you know, kind of see what that looks like to, to take a frame out of a hive. But I'm sure if Melissa, um, was having a day where she was opening up the hives, it wouldn't be a problem for me to just reach out to her and say like, Hey, do you mind if I stop by and, and put some, put some work in? Yeah. Cause that's, the, I mean, that's the part that that's the piece that's missing for me. I, 
it's a little bit intimidating to open up the hive and, and pull a frame. And so weirdly this morning I was, I, I have a big dual monitor set up at my office and I often will watch YouTube videos on one monitor while I work on the other one. And I would pull up the YouTube for so the land and they just received beehives. Oh, fun. Like say exact two nukes, same as us. Yeah. Like, so that he actually had past footage from like two weeks ago when he got all the hives and everything. And then they just received them like, like it was literally like he posted the video this morning. So I think it was like on the weekend. Hmm. It's kind of fun to see that. So we're not getting our actual bees until yeah. June. But that's um, she, when she was opening it up, so him and his wife are, got the full suits on and everything. They're opening up. They're like, she's like, I've never been around this many bees before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the like intimidation. Right? Like, well, and, but we've been around the bees. Like we've been present when our beekeeper was opening up the hive. We know kind of the structure of the hive and what to look for and, and how it functions. Um, we, I, I think, and I think this was proven to me yesterday. We know a lot about bees. We knew, we did learn some new things obviously, but like we know a lot about bees. And so I think we're starting from a good place. I'm just excited to have our own bees on back on the property. I'm nervous about taking care of them because there's a lot of things to look for. Um, I have, I think I came away with maybe more questions than I had before the seminar yesterday, but we have some books on order. And again, like I think if we ever have any questions or we want to spend more time with the bees, we just need to reach out and say like, Hey, can so we, we actually Bye. found Earth and Honeybee at a at a market, mm -hmm. and they had their address on there was the town just around the corner from us. I think the first time we bumped into them was at the Ilderton Fair. Might have been in the yeah in the back of the thing yeah there. in the arena. And then we saw them downtown once, and they were like, well, I, we figured out that like they're not that far from us. Mm -hmm. And then I saw. I think we tried to get bees from them and we were just too late because I, that was the season that everybody lost bees and you couldn't get your hands on a nuke. And I can't remember why, how I found them again this year to order nukes. And the and then the course was actually after I found the nukes. Um, and when I ordered them, I was like, it took me a minute beforehand because I'm like, this is St. Thomas. But they, I know they used to be like up north of London. Elderton. So I was like is this the same people? And I did some research and I'm like, yeah, it is them. They moved. Mm -hmm. So, and actually some of their stuff still says it looked like some of their packaging. Oh, they still have a, a farm. She so said they still yeah. have a spot in so the that's, that's the thing. Like they, she, she says like, well, like they'll be up here a little bit. So I'm sure that if we really wanted to twist some arms and maybe bribe somebody. <laughs> no, I think we just need to ask. I don't think that we need to bribe anybody, anything. I think we just need to say like, Hey, we need some help. They seem, you know, you know, true, be stewards that want to see yeah. more people keeping bees to increase the bee population for all of the reasons why we know bees to be good. So, so I had a, I, so there was kind of one thing that I was looking for when I went there, one piece of information that was like the, the big thing for me going like, Hey, the one thing that I've like been rolling through my mind, what was it for you? I don't know that I went in with a question. I think it was more, um, I wanted to, to know more about keeping the bees, keeping them healthy, knowing what to look for, um, being more engaged with the hive rather than just a hive host. Because in the past, that's what we've done. is And, and I haven't had a whole lot of um, – I've been interested and engaged, certainly, but not, not much buy-in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and that's what, like the first beekeeper we worked with, we actually did some stuff with him. Mm -hmm. And then... The Despite his shortcomings, he was great. He really had us in there and, yeah. you know, the kids and... And then at the start, the, our second guy was okay. And then, of course, the COVID got weird. So it was kind of like they would come do their thing and leave. Yeah. So we didn't see much of them and kind of wanted to give them their space as well. Well, and I think... Because I think he helped us for two seasons. In that first season, I tried to say like, hey, let me know when you're coming. Yeah. I'd like to, to be a part of it. And that just didn't happen. Like it, he, that was he, both of them, but yeah, he just never let me know when he was coming or, you know, when he was going to be on the property and I'd see the truck ripping. And by the time I got dressed to go out, he was gone again. So, um, just didn't, that didn't, we didn't foster a, uh, cooperative relationship with the, the beekeeping. So I was just looking at like, 
how do I take my knowledge and the experience that we've had with bees and turn it into actually keeping our own bees? Yeah. Yeah. I was looking for specifically the medication cycles and mm-hmm. like when to do it. Cause I'm going like, I know, yeah. I know that the, these are the things that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a matter of like, okay, on like, when do we know to do this? Or like, so we learned about how to test for mites. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically the, consensus the varroa like, mite. The, the consensus is like treat in the fall because they need it over the winter because they're going to be stuck in there. Mm-hmm. And then also like test through the summer Yeah, and, and treat as needed is kind of the answer. Yeah. And you treat with something uh, called formic acid is one of the, the medications that you can use to treat for bees or sorry for mites, the varroa mite on bees. Do you want it? Do you have your phone handy? Do you want to try Google where does formic acid come from? Because I know it has something to do with ants, but I didn't get a chance to look for the answer on this one. I remember someone telling us something about um, formic acid and ants. So while you do that, um, what was the other thing that we talked about treating for? Oh, it was the American fowl brood. So this yeah. is a, a spore that can get into your beehive. And I think... The consensus was you just have to assume that you have, you know, even a minute quantity of it in your hive and it can be devastating to your hive because the, there's no treatment for it. You literally have to set your hive on fire and burn everything, all of your equipment, all of your hives, all of your suits. It's just assume that it's on everything you own and you have to. I think it's like yeast. Yeah. Burn it's it everywhere. to the ground. Yeah, and it's so, like a lot of things. It's more. It's a matter of like, <laughs> if it gets if it gets too much, the bees can't handle it. But normally, they, like they have a process where it's just like it's like people getting sick. So in nature, formic acid is found most in most ants and in stingless bees. Wood ants from the genus Formica can be can spray formic acid on their prey or to defend the nest. The pusmouth caterpillar will spray it as well when threatened by predators. I wonder how they harvest it. Like how they must. It is also found in the trichomes of stinging nettle. Huh. That's probably where they get it. From. Yeah. That would be probably easier to harvest than ants. <laughs> Apart from that, the acid is. A... Is it a school for ants? <laughs> Part oh, of, of... Come on. You didn't laugh at my joke. <laughs> I was trying to read. <laughs> I can't do two things at once. This acid is incorporated in many fruits such as pineapple, apple, and kiwi, hmm. as well as many vegetables, namely onion, eggplant. Extremely low concentrations. So it's probably more likely that it comes, it's plant derived and it comes from those sources as opposed to ants. I would guess it's the steam. Yeah. Um, did you know about using the drone brood as bait for no, the mites? I didn't. That's really interesting. So one of the ways, if you find that you have mites, or you just want to like prophylactically treat for mites, you can install what's called a, a drone brood frame. And drone brood is the cones. larger. Yeah, just a tiny, tiny bit larger. And the queen will only lay drone eggs in those cells. And drones are unfertilized eggs. Did you know that? And males, yes. And males, yeah. I didn't so, know that they were unfertilized. I knew that it was males. Yeah. And so the mites tend to favor the drones. So Because they live longer. Because they live longer. Yeah. Three so years longer. they um you kind of use the the drones as bait for the mites. And then once you see that all of those egg cells are capped, you actually take the brood frame out with all of the drone in it and then you scrape it off and you feed it to your chickens. <laughs> freeze it first, she said. Like and not if you're it. feeding it to your chickens. I think you freeze it first anyways. You oh. want to kill them so that if, if there's a couple alive, they don't take off. Fair enough. Yeah, so once it turns into the larva stage, <clears throat> toss it in the freezer and then scrape the it off and feed it to your chickens. Them. And we will totally do that. Yeah, yeah. Sacrificial drones. Um, was there anything else that you learned yesterday that was a surprise to you or something that you didn't know before? Or The the fact that the males come from unfertilized. A lot of people were, were uh, like astonished at that basically like every single that, – that like most – 
most of the bees are females and that they are all exact, almost effectively exact copies of the queen, except for they have not been fed the royal jelly mm-hmm. to turn into a queen and then go on a mating flight. Yeah. People were like, and also like the whole job cycle of it. And she didn't do a good job of explaining that basically like every bee, it's more like the life cycle that they, they pass through every job. It's like working the way up the ladder. Oh, I didn't know that. Because I remember that was one that, what's his name? Our first beekeeper told us. Dan. Is like, but he was a. Maybe it's inaccurate, mm. but my, what he, what, the way he explained it was like, they all have like, for the first two days, this is their job. For the next couple of days, this is their job. And then this mm. is their job. And this is their job. And this is their job. And it's mm. as they age, they kind of like work their way up the ladder. And then die. Well, yes. Um, so a couple of things that I learned was the rule of three eights. That's an important Everything rule. Everything is three eights off. Everything is three eights. So three eighths of an inch spacing between your frames three inch spacing between your boxes um, because if it's less than three eighths of an inch, a bee won't pass through. If it's more than three eighths of an inch, they'll build out comb to make it three eighths of an inch, which will be, you know, pretty inconvenient for you when you're trying to move things around and your hives are, your frames are stuck together because. It's another reason why I will not be building our own bee boxes. Yeah. I am not that accurate. No, that's that's a job that you let somebody else do. You want them to be precise and pretty, yes. ne- right. neatly stacked little boxes. And you're gonna are you gonna paint them funny colors? I don't think so. That's not my style. I'm no, gonna I'm gonna paint gonna them white. white. <laughs> that is your style. <laughs> that's my style. Um, a very specific shade of white, though. Yeah, Oxford white. Benjamin Moore. C C C thirties. I can't remember what the color number is. Um, the other thing that I learned was that queens will, um, so when queen new queen bees are um, coming up in the cells, so queen eggs will be laid to kind of bring up a new queen. There's sometimes one at the ready. If you have too many queen cells in your brood frames, you need to either get rid of them or get rid of them. Like, I don't think you have any other options. But if your bees think that your queen is failing and not doing a good job, they will, you know, bring up a new queen and nourish a new queen. And the queen will, they'll fight. Well, they'll, they'll either split the hive or yeah. they'll fight. Or they'll fight. And so when they fight, they make a sound that is like a chicken. And it's like the queen battle cry. So I'm really intrigued and fascinated to kind of hopefully you never, hopefully hear, you never hear it because if you hear it, you're you're about to either lose half your hive to a swarm or your queen's going down. Perhaps. Yeah. I mean they always there's always a couple of queens like in, at the ready. Yeah, like they they, they will always have them. And the, the queen does it too, just in case. Because mm-hmm. she doesn't know that something doesn't happen. So Bees are so fascinating. They always kind of have a queen, you know, coming up in the ready. To one, one ready to be born in the next little while. And then they actually, yeah. So the, one of the things, that, another thing that I'm remembering now is they, the queen has a stinger just like everybody else. But she, hers is used for fighting, not for defense like what normal bees would be. Our cat has been joining us. She actually She's not my cat. I would just like to make that clear for the record. Our cat. She's not my cat. The cat. The cat. Um, yeah, so the, the queens actually use it. And if if she's threatened, she will actually sting through the cell, right? Mm-hmm. She would actually like go down and be like, not today. Yeah. And, and just give a little And poke. kill the upcoming queen in, this, in the cell. Which is kind of funny. One of the things that I'm sort of intimidated about is like, all of the signals that the bees give you in the frames. Like if they're laying eggs here, then look for this. If, yeah. And so I think that's one of the things that like, it, there are so many potential things that could happen or could go wrong, but for the most part, they won't. And until they do, it's one of those things that you just kind of like, maybe don't worry about it until it happens. And when you see it, like look into it a little bit more. When, when I have too many of those things, I get paralyzed. And yeah. I get scared. Fuck around and find out. Well, again, like, yes, and responsibly so we're not losing livestock. We're going to do the best we can. Yeah. 
we're not just gonna like order bees, throw them in a hive, and away we go. I don't. I just never want the animals to suffer for our shortcomings. We're on the same page. Yeah. So even though we have plans this weekend, we have ducks that are going to hatch and we're not going to be home. We have a friend coming to stay and I told her today, she came in for coffee. She's going to help out with the boys this weekend. And she came in to kind of chat about things a little bit. And I said, guess when these guys are going to hatch? She's like, oh my God, this weekend? I'm like, yeah, is that okay? She's like, there's nothing I can do about it. Like, she's like, what do I have to do? I said, don't worry. We'll make sure that everything's set up. You just have to put them in the brooder and keep them warm and fuzzy and cuddle them. It's a good thing we heard the other ones off. Just send me lots of pictures. <laughs> we heard everybody else off, so there's no heat out here. Yeah. All of our chickens are off of heat and whatnot, so. Good, because they're moving on up. Yeah. Gotta get them out some. <laughs> I need some butcher time. Yeah. I gotta move a rooster, get rid of four hens and a rooster. Mm-hmm. And then we could probably, we could put them out there. No reason we can't. Yeah, we need some cleanup time, too. We gotta do a little bit of an overhaul on those coops and get them all cleaned out. I don't think that'll happen this weekend. Definitely not this weekend, but it needs to get on the priority list because we so need that space. We planned a little getaway for ourselves because we've been running pretty hard and said we're going to, we booked a cottage like not far, close enough that we can get home real quick if we have to. If we need to, yeah. And there'd be somebody on the farm kind of looking after. The girls will, the girls are informed on how to do this, the general day-to-day chores. Well, and the big thing was having someone to volunteer to take the boys for the whole weekend. Yeah. Like Because we're in this storm of everybody's all on vacation or gone or whatever. Yeah. And I think we have burnt out enough times to know what it looks like when burnout is imminent. And I think We've like... burned right through that a few times. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to keep doing that because it's it's hard on everybody. It's hard on us. It's hard on the kids. Um, but I think like we're heading into a really busy season where we're not going to be able to take time off. Um, once that calf comes, probably not for the next eight to 10 months. <laughs> I've got a cottage booked already. Yeah. Well, August. we're going to have to have somebody come and, yeah. and take care of things here on the farm. So, so if you want to farm sit. Yeah. If you want to learn how to milk a cow, <laughs> first I'll figure it out and then I'll show you how to do it. <laughs> We can learn together. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is that it for this week? Oh, Northern Lights. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll stay up that late, but it's yeah, support- our big problem. We're always like, hey, the Northern Lights are here. And then we it's just. It's the meteor them. shower. <laughs> like all of the cool, like <clears throat> galaxy things that we often miss because it's. So is that, is that going to be through to the weekend? I don't know. I just saw someone post something about it yesterday or the day before that. I saw it today and I was like, oh, that's happening. Yeah. So I don't know. I. I'd like to try see it, but I'm... It'd be cool if it was over the lake when we're at the, at well, the tiny home. Oh, that'd be fun. We're still not going to stay up that late. No, <laughs> My goal is to sleep and read. Yep. That's it. It's got a little fireplace. Yeah. Maybe I'll have my bee book by then. I can study my... should be here. I ordered it today. Good. All right. All righty. Thanks. We'll talk to you... Next week. Next week. Have a good one, guys. Bye.